So there's a couple here, if you want the, the Bible here. It's a double heathen Bible. It's a heathen Bible. Heretic Bible in, in parallel. Um, good. Um, thank you for bringing that, Riggs. See, I felt that you had something. So, that's good. Um, so yeah, let there be light. Yeah. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're a God that speaks. We thank you for the, the truth and grace that's revealed to us through Jesus Christ. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to lead us in all truth. Uh, and we receive your grace and peace. We receive peace of heart and mind this afternoon, Jesus. Uh, Lord, as we focus in on, um, I guess, Battle for the Mind, part two, would you help us to clearly hear what you are really saying to us today, Lord? So when the, when the question comes, did God really say, we are equipped to deal with those answers. Lord, we ask for peaceful hearts, peaceful minds, and um, that we are ready to move with you, Jesus, knowing you're a good God in a good mood who leads us in all good things. All well, God's people said, Amen. Amen. So yes, yeah, it's part two, I guess, of uh, Battle for the Mind. As I was praying this week and um, repacking what I sort of speak of, reviewing it, I thought there needs to be a little bit more um, sort of a practical outworking of what we were talking about. The danger of some of the stuff that I found with the Freedom in Christ stuff I don't know if you found the same thing, is actually you can go away going, yes, I, I know that's true, or that's a true statement, but not actually know how to put it into, into practice. We could go away with, with the kind of, that's a nice word vicar type thing. Good word vicar, you know, we have a nice, they all agree with it up here, it's a nice word, it's nice that Ruth told us about, isn't it, you know, God turns us into light, and light comes in our darkness. And, and we go away thinking it's a nice thing, and actually we don't let it change our hearts, that then changes our actions, changes our beliefs, and changes the world. And I fall into that all the time, especially if you're someone who likes to think about theology or likes to read Winter's books. You can read things and go, yes, I agree with that. And it's nothing to agree with it and nothing to, to actually live it out and be challenged on those things. And um, the kind of clever word on that is we're wired for congruity, I guess is the best way of saying it. We're wired for our head and our heart to make sense. And um, so a little bit today is unpacking some of the things that perhaps we've, we've talked about in the last six or seven weeks. Some of the verses... Um, that we use quite a lot around here, but kind of unpack them a little bit and make them as personal as possible in terms of how we apply them this week. So I'm going to start actually in Genesis 3, if you want to join with me. Uh, I'm going to title this message, I guess, Did God Really Say? Did God Really Say? Uh, so starting from Genesis 3. And I'll unpack a little bit as we go. Genesis 3, chapter 1. Oh, verse 1, sorry. Genesis 3, chapter... Genesis 3, verse 1. And we read this uh, from the New Living Translation, but if you've got it in front of you, it's great as well. The serpent was the shrewdest of all kind of wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course you may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Quite a well-known little portion of scripture. Um, I've highlighted the little bits that I wanted to sort of, sort of think, but can people just, I guess, feedback to me what we kind of say here about, but, so when Satan comes and tempts Eve and says, did God really say, what happens in the, in the story? I'm just going to turn that off. 
What, what had God actually said? Does anyone know that bit? <coughs> what had God said previously in chapter 2? People can know. Should we look at that? People don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyone? Go on. Yep. You you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. That's interesting. Any tree in the garden. Yeah. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it you will surely die. Okay. So that's what God has said. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden apart from the tree. Okay? What does Eve say that has actually happened? That God said? You mustn't touch it. Must touch it. She's added. Added. So God said you must not eat it. He did say you would die. Um, but he said you must. Eat. But Eve adds to touch it. Eve starts to add to God's words. He didn't take. He didn't actually say. God didn't say that. He didn't say you could, you could go up and touch it. That would be fine. You can't eat from it. And what she'd already done is started to doubt. It wasn't in the question. In the, in the, when the moment, the moment that Satan comes and said, "Did God really say?" Automatically, there's a. Oh, did he, what did he actually say? I already started to doubt that. I already started to add into scripture. I already started to add into his word. And that's what Satan, we talked about last week, that's what Satan wants to do. He can get in and just make it twist ever so slightly, or just make us doubt in any way in terms of we start to add to it, or don't quite believe it as it was originally said. He starts to take our eyes off Jesus. He starts to take our eyes off um, what God has for us. And we start to take our eyes off Jesus. We start to doubt his goodness. We start to doubt his love for us. And actually, all she's done actually there is add in a phrase. She's, she's trying to overprotect herself in one sense. She's trying to act out of a, out of a, I guess, a, a human desire to be to be right. But she's trying to solve it on her own terms. She's not let God be God. She's put another boundary in there to say I won't even touch it because it's, it's that important. So I want you to hold that as as we go. So last week I left this. Um, go back there with the three questions. What has God said? What has God done? And where is God now? And that's where we came from the kind of the Ruth said about that there be light. What's God done? We talked about the cross and all those things. And, and we talked about God being with us now. But I want to take those a little bit deeper. I'll put that in the wrong order. So today is Pentecost, the birth of the church. And we are practicing a little bit on Wednesday, refueling. thing. But for me, the church is devoted to Jesus. That's what it's about. We're about being devoted to Jesus. We're about a hid thing. And we're devoted to his ways, his life, and his truth. He is the way, the life, and the truth. It's not my way. It's not Dave's way. Uh, it's not Sharon's. It's not anyone who leads this, this community. It's not the Archbishop of Canterbury's way. It's Jesus' way. It's his life, and it's his truth. And we're going to look at these, um, I guess, things that I think that we all come across as temptations or come across as, as battles in our mind, whether or not we articulate them in the same way that I'm about to share them, whether or not they come exactly off the tongue. But I hope as I read through this list, you find yourself at least um, identifying with one or two of them. Um, I hope they're not too personal, but I, these are the sort of things that God revealed to me this week in terms of things you would like to break into us and see breakthrough for. So perhaps when we talk about God loving us and perhaps God wanted to pour out his blessing, wanted to heal us, wanted to forgive us, there are certain things that come up in our mind, um, rejections, if you like, or twists about what God has really said. So perhaps, perhaps you feel trapped 
Perhaps things like, I feel cursed, I feel trapped between a bad past and a bleak future, are mulling around in our, in our heads. Perhaps we're afraid, perhaps we're afraid of God, or of a God blessing us too much. What if we can't handle his blessing? What if he gives us too much to handle? Perhaps when we talk about God's love, we feel unworthy. Um, perhaps we feel we have to get our acts together before God can forgive us, or God can heal us, or God can bless us. There's a certain thing we have to do before the transaction, before God can get involved. Unlovable. God might love me a bit, because he has to, because he's God, but not enough to bless me, heal me, or forgive me. There's a limit. I know this, this is probably the one I would find most resonates with me. I'll tell you straight off that is that I can see that God loves me and the rest of it, but actually sometimes it takes a breakthrough to see that there's more than just a little bit of love for God. So people might not, but that's where I am with those some things. Skeptical. I'm not sure if God is that involved, especially in the little parts of my little life. Is God really interested in whether I have a cup of tea in the morning or a cup of coffee? Is, you know, is, is that how much detail has God involved? Is he kind of sort of aware that I'd like to do a few things and, and knows a few dreams about me? Or is he intimately involved in my life? Anyone resonate with any of those? Well, he wants you to a decaf. <laughs> you, haven't got, you haven't identified a particular one, but do those sort of things... Um, right, we agree, agree. Yeah, okay. So what I want to do is these are the battles we all... Certain times. I'm not going to ask you for intimate details of where you are and those things. But what we're going to do now, together, as part of this kind of talk, and so it's on the audio as well, is we're going to look at some verses about what God has done, what he said, and where he is. So when these things come up, when these things that are kind of, we start wrestling with them, when we start to doubt these things, we have verses we can go to, not the verses that perhaps you know sort of over here, but actually concrete things to go to. So we'll look at different ones, and then we're going to make, I guess, statements of faith each around these things. Okay? So we'll look at each one, so we're not going to identify like a corner over there for the trapped people and a corner over there for people who feel unloved. Just release some awful, awful post-it note sort of thing. But yeah, you know, that's what we're, we're not going to do that sort of thing. So we're going to do it all together. Um, this is, this is community growing together, and we don't want to identify and kind of highlight people out of, of these things, but we want to grow together and understand that actually these are, these are part of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, that, you know, we'd love it to be perfectly, that we always grow faith all the time, but often our, it's our doubts and our wrestling that causes the faith to grow. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we're going to look at these bit by bit. So we'll look at the, the trap section. I'm going to go fairly quickly. But you want, if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5.17... I will put all these on the email and, and with the podcast as well so people can follow along. So I'm going to read them out and then what I want you to do is just must articulate what you think is coming out from this verse. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. So someone summarise that. Wait. I'm the same in the flesh, but I'm not the same in what I do and how I act. Okay. Anyone else? <clears throat> so 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is, got, anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Does it mean the old person and the renewed person? See, the old has gone. Yeah, the, old the old person that was trapped 
has disappeared and the new person in Christ has come. We are set free in Christ. Do we agree? Amen. Amen. Okay. So when you feel trapped, we can go to this and say, actually, no, the old, the old is gone. You know, this is the mindset saying, actually, no, you're, you're stuck in a bleak future. The past is, is hanging on to you. There's nothing for you in the future. Actually, you go, no, there is. I'm a new creation. I am in Christ. I have, there's nothing, something new for me to grow into. Because the old has gone. My past has disappeared. There, there are consequences of the past, if you like, that we have to live out and perhaps sometimes we have to wrestle through. But in terms of holding us back of what God has for us, it has no hold on us. Amen? You can, you can do a bit of black church and we can go on there if you want to. <laughs> Amen, thank you very much. Okay, next one. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Okay? Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For a light and momentary trouble are achieving for us the eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Still feel trapped? We are being renewed day by day. Those of us that are in Christ, those of us that accepted Jesus, are being renewed day by day. It might not feel like all the time. It may not feel like when you wake up and the kettle doesn't work and you're struggling for any caffeine or your kids are driving you bonkers. But we are being renewed day by day by God's grace. Go. It's interesting how, like he, we always go, but, yeah, yeah but, yeah, yeah but, but. We really shouldn't be no. going, yeah, but. No, there's no yeah, yeah buts. Buts are for sitting on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like as well, isn't it, though? We pray forgiveness, and then we grab a bit back each time. Yeah. Yeah. So although we know we've been forgiven, yeah. we kind of don't let go. Yes, yeah. that's a very good word. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Bang on. And that's what some of these verses are about. It's the, the truth of these things is that we are new creations, and we're being renewed day by day. That's what the Word of God says. That's what we have to believe. And as we talk about um, hanging on to the beliefs in one sense, we might, we might doubt these. We might have struggled to believe these, but they don't, it doesn't make it not true. No, it doesn't change who God is. Yeah. How we feel does not change God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if anything has changed, it can't be God. It's yeah. got to be us. Yes. So we need to change. Or we need to change our thinking. Mm-hmm. And like you say, the hanging on to scripture. Um, and the more you do that, it's like muscles. Yeah. It grows, it develops. I've got a saying that uh, when I was going, or do go through, anyone that's getting stuck, is that without any change, you won't get a change. So if you hold on to stuff and you don't make a change or repent for what I thought, then in a simple little thing, if you don't change it and change view that that change that point of view, mm-hmm. you'll be stuck there. Yep. And nothing will get you free from it. That's very good. So yes, when we think we, we're stuck or when we think we, there's no, nothing for us, we need to remember that we are new creations, that we're being renewed day by day. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 10. <coughs> It's the first part on nine, sorry, not the rest of it. So, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? And it lists the sort of things that are oh, it classes as wrongdoers. It's actually verse 11 I want you to kind of just come into. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 
Okay? So it, it, the bit that I want you to focus on is actually verse 11. I've put the wrong bit down. So 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Is, is, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So when we feel trapped, when we feel we're kind of a bit beaten up, we will actually can say, no, I was washed, I was sanctified, and I'm justified in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about him. It doesn't do with that I'm trapped or feel like this. Actually, it's all about Jesus. Okay? Everyone with me so far? Good, right. So that's trapped, deal with. We're all, all free now. <laughs> yeah, is it as simple as that? Oh, yeah, yeah, simple as that. No, we'll come back to that in a minute. So afraid. Okay, so perhaps we're, we're a bit worried about what God may do if we say yes to God. Or say too much yes to God. So 2 Timothy 1, 7. Flying around the New Testament today. Caroline, you read it for a change of voice. So two, for two, God two. has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. <laughs> So when you're afraid of situations, when you're afraid of change, when you're afraid of stepping out and going, taking a risk for God, actually we know this, is, this verse is true. We've not been given a, a spirit of fear, we're given a spirit of power and authority and love and self-discipline. Or self-assurance is one. So, okay. Hebrews 13, 5, 6. This bit, but the bit I wanted to focus on, it says this. Um, if you're jumping around, it says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can human beings do to me? Human beings do to me? Um, so, human beings. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. So when you're, when you're afraid, when you're scared, you just actually know, I know God will never leave me. God will never forsake me. The Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. Straight from scripture. That's the straight thing that goes from your head, from your mouth, into your heart. Actually, you believe this stuff. Actually, when we're afraid, when we're afraid of stepping out, or maybe God has not got our best interest at heart, we say, never will I leave. God will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is my helper and I do not have to be afraid. Okay, Romans 8. Thirty-seven to thirty-nine. Have you got it, Ruth? Yeah. Um, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Yes. Some of these are just straight amen. Some of these actually, when you start to really think about these things, um, I'm convinced that neither, like, you know, this is the point that Paul got, so this is what we need to get to, that we're convinced that God's love will never separate us. It doesn't that mean nothing, nothing nasty will happen. No, it doesn't say that. No. 
No, because actually, if you look in life or death, or yeah. the previous bit, he says, for your sake, we face death all day long. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he can say it, maybe, yeah. because it's experience. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that, Sharon. Absolutely, but even in that, even in the worst day possible, even in your nightmare days, even that God's love is still there with you. Yeah, he says, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine yeah. or nakedness or danger of the sword, all of that, we're still not separated yeah. from God. And I, th- I think I'm right, I think I'm right in this, um, that for everyone he says about the, all the hardships going on, the parallel, there's an no, exact number of parallels with the Nothing can separate us. Mm-hmm. So the questions he says about the, oh, okay. I need to double check that about you know about the kind of the hardships. It double for the amount of times he says there could be pain and suffering. He doubles the amount of time God's God's love is with us. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. So for each time he mentions you know family and nakedness and the rest of it, it doubles up in the love for us. Mm-hmm. But Paul emphasises the point that no matter what happens, God's love is for us and not against mm-hmm. us. And if you take nothing away from the rest of today, and that's the only verse you remember, this is a good one. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. In the good day, even, even being brilliant in everything, even being amazing in even your best days, you're still loved. Even if everything goes right, God's love is for you, and nothing can separate you from God's love. Right, uh, Matthew 6, 25 to 30. To get to Matthew eventually. <laughs> so if get, anyone gets it before me, please read it. Matthew 6, 25 and 30. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you? Right, thanks, Dave. Mm-hmm. Another amen. Yes. <laughs> the one that is uh, no, a real declaration. It's, 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 uh, I love this passage of scripture. I love 5, 6, and 7, the whole sermon of the Mount. It's what I go to a lot. Um, and this is so true. This is so true that actually you are more valuable than sparrows, is the sort of thing it comes back to. Um, and we need to realise that. That nothing can separate us from the love of God, and we're more valuable than sparrows. Um, we're more valuable um, than the flowers. We are valuable to our Father in heaven. And it's key to it all. And that, that hopefully will help you. Right, uh, unworthy. Colossians 1, 13 to 14. It's also a test about how well you know your Bible, isn't it? Colossians is missing in mind. So, you got it? Please get it. What page is it? I don't know the next one. A E I O. So, Colossians 1 13 to 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
It's about God rescuing us. It's not about us having worthiness. It's not about us being right. It's not about us deserving God's grace in one sense. It's completely God's grace. And he has rescued us from the beginning of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Galatians 4, 4 to 6. sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us to his very own children as his very own children and because of and because you gentiles have become his children God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts and now you can call God your dear father so we're adopted as sons Adopted into God's family. Uh, given the spirit that we may cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 7 says, You are no longer slaves, but God's children. And since you are his children, he has also made you heirs. So when you come and feel that you're unworthy, actually the result is, I'm no longer a slave. I'm an heir to God's kingdom. I'm an heir to God's kingdom. Worthy means useless, doesn't it? Yes, so I'm no longer, no longer worthy. I actually have worth because God has died for me. I made the child of God. Um, and then Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. More amen. And that one, that one is just, um, I love, it's like you can make that complete declaration. I'm saved by grace. And God has got good work for me to do. So it's not that we're just, we're just saved and tick along to perhaps we might get a golden ticket to heaven and all the best of it. We've been saved with a purpose to release good works into the earth. There's things for us to do. Um, God has works for us. God has plans. Uh, has plans. Um, and prepared in advance for us to walk into. So when we feel that's kind of, it also ties in with the kind of feeling trapped and perhaps there's no future. Actually we say, no, there is a future because there's good works for me to walk into. There's things that God wants me to do because it's through his grace I have been saved with a purpose. Uh, I am now worthy. Right. Unlovable. John 3 hidden it a little bit. <laughs> John 3, 15 to 18. So you don't all jump out at the same thing. Everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Amen. So is God here to condemn me? No. No? Does God love you? Yeah. Anyone? He must be. Does God love you? Yes. Does God love you? Unconditionally, yes, brilliant. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. 
message translation in one of the, I need to learn it, in Isaiah it talks about that God would give up the whole world to get us back. And that's the kind of uh, one of the messages through Isaiah is that actually that the Father comes for his, for his children. That you are so loved that God will not come and condemn the world, but came to save the world. And you are part of that redemption. You are part of that love um, for the world. 1 John 3, 1 to 2. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been known but we know that when he appears we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Brilliant, thank you. So what does that verse say? Well, it means we're all sons and daughters of Christ. <clears throat> What's the first part that it say? It's lavish as well. So when, actually, this is one that really gets me quite a lot of times, actually, is that I often think, God likes me a bit because he has to, because he's good and all the rest of it. Actually, he's lavish his love on me. It's more than just a kind of love and a kind of, all right, Steve's all right and we'll sort him out and we'll make sure he's okay. You know, there's a little bit of kind of, well, I've got to do this because I'm God. He's lavished his love on me. Mm-hmm. He's poured it out. The sort of things about, um, the message says, what marvellous love the Father has extended to us, given to us, poured out, rich blessing upon blessing upon blessing. It's not just enough to kind of tick by and go, I've saved the human race. It's lavished upon us. Um, you are loved in one sense beyond measure. Mm-hmm. You want you to keep asking. So what about when we don't feel loved? We might be there. Yeah, listen, so when we don't feel loved... loved no, what we I meant was when things are... What life throws at us, we think... I'm and I think one of the exciting things in this bit is when, when we're told that we're children of God, it's like children always inherit something from their father. Mm. And what we've got here is not just a, like an earthly father from whom we can inherit some interesting things, but from, a, from a, this perfect father, we are his children. We're inheriting some, something which is perfect that we, can, we need to cling into, cling on to, mm. and bring out. Absolutely right. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. That's it. And these are the things we need, we need to, to really cling on to. Yeah. The real thing, actually, is not just a, a tick box love. It's a cling it's on. A cling on, yeah. Cling, cling on. Um, it's, it's a lavish love. It's a poured out love. On. I'm going to keep going. Keep going. Before you say it, trust me. Right. Uh, back in Romans 8 again. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Thank you, Mary. 
just it's more of those sort of same sort of things we've been talking about. But this is, you know, Paul Paul talks about in one of his things about I don't I don't grow weary about telling the same things that you all grow in your faith. And sometimes we can we can kind of some of these things become wallpaper to us. Oh, God loves us. God loves me. Oh, God, yeah, God loves everyone. God has to. You know, it becomes God has to because that's what He is. And we we do say God is love, in which case He has to love everyone. And actually, there needs to be a, a deeper releasing of God's spirit into us to understand this, to, to believe this, to speak this truth out, that we, he has lavished his love on us in such a way that means that we are now, you know, we're not, no longer slaves to fear. No longer slaves to fear. We've been adopted as sons by which we cry, Our Father. And we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I mean, that could be unpacked theologically for weeks. We'll let Dave do that in a couple of weeks' time. You know, but what it is to be a co heir with Christ? What was promised to him in the nations? What was promised to him um, as, the, as, as the Son of God? We now get as well. Um, and says, you will do greater things than me. Yeah, that sort of stuff. But it, it, even more in terms of that promise, it's just a relationship. In terms of That's a, it wants to say a fruit of what it is. But this is, I think, in the position of where we are. It's, it's we are sons of God. The God that created the entire universe loves us and chooses us. I think Jesus think <laughs> every day, like, lavishes his love every day on us. Um, in verse 17 there, it says, um, if indeed we share in his sufferings, so there will be times when we feel unloved by people, by the world, by life, but actually the whole pattern of scripture Genesis to Revelation uh, talks about God's desire to restore humanity yeah. and his un, uh, what's the word, steadfast love, his unceasing love. Yeah. And so it's like Romans 12 verse 2. Sometimes the patterns of our thinking have to say, he loves me. Yes. I don't care what's happening around me, yeah. he loves me. His, his 2000 6,000, however many years of evidence mm. given us in this book. Yeah. And experienced in our own lives. Absolutely. And, and Jesus experienced it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. if he can experience that, so, so I suppose you've got to say, even when awfulest <laughs> things are being done, is that what it is? Yeah. I would argue that what we're saying in these scriptures we unpacked is the world will throw all sorts of things at us. Satan yeah, will throw all sorts exactly. of things at us. But this is not God testing us in that way. This is this, the world kind of comes at us, but we need to cling to, hold on to the fact that God loves us. And it's not just a little bit, it's a huge amount. How, you know, wide, wide as the ocean, if you like that kind of song, song we sang at, at, at Sunday school. How wide is his love? You know, how rich, how deep? And, it, and it's deeply demonstrated in the pattern of Jesus' love. Yeah. He, he, he loved people who nobody else wanted to love. Yeah. So if you felt unloved in the society of Jesus' day, along comes Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So whenever we feel that way, we have to think, this is not just a few sayings in the Old Testament. This is the pattern of Jesus' absolutely. life. Absolutely. Lived out in Jesus. So we are loved. I think we've got that. Yeah. Are you loved? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Amen. Cool. Right. Skeptical. So perhaps you're now skeptical of that love. Uh, skeptical of God. Skeptical of what? Um, whether or not he's really interested in everything you do. So um, there are lots we could have gone on this. I've chosen a few more of the unknown, perhaps not well-known ones, just to help us see, as Dave said there, the patterns that are through Scripture about how much God loves us. So Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Amen. Amen. About <laughs> trusting God. We can be sceptical. There's a, um, you know, we were saying, saying at Reef of the Group this week, there's a lot of, a lot of self-help books, a lot of self-made <laughs> ways of doing life at the moment. You know, we were talking about actually our, our we love quotes, we love, love a meme or something like that from Facebook. And actually, a lot of the things about solving our problems ourselves. Can we get ourselves out of that problem? Can we, and that, we have to be proactive, don't be wrong, there's things we need to, to, this is part of, I guess, this is biblical self-help in one sense. We're declaring truths over ourselves. Um, but it's not leaning on our own understanding. It's not leaning on what we can see in front of us. We, we take a step of faith to trust in a God that's for us and not against us. We, we trust in this love that we can't see, but we, we trust is there. It's a very human thing to keep asking why. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like uh, children, children ask why, yeah. don't they? Yeah. So Philippians 1, 6. Moving on. No time at all. Mm-hmm. Someone gets there before me, do you? Being confident of this, that he who began good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. good news, isn't it? Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So is God interested in your life? Verily. Verily. Yes. Very, very truly true. But God is so interested because he started a work in you he wants to see finished. He's not a project starter like me who's not a complete finisher. And wanders off and finds a new project. She's married married Susie, who's a complete finisher, and we do things together. Um, this is a God who's actively involved in everything we do. He's got set a good thing inside us. He's set, started work on us, and will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. That's exciting. That gives me hope to think that actually, well, even on my bad days, good days. I'm being moved forward, almost like a travelator along an escalator. Even when I'm walking backwards, the escalator's still pulling me slightly towards. He's always working. He's always working. And he is always working. That's the truth of the scripture, that God is working in his work. Um, he will complete the good work in us. He's actively involved in how we live our lives. He loves to see. He loves that we get up and worship him. He loves to see how we, we live out our lives. There's two verses there. Just start us thinking that mm-hmm. when you say he's always working, working out good works and even when you don't feel like it's working that's when you don't lean on your own understanding yeah very good mm-hmm. yeah you're preaching next week oh, yeah. <laughs> last one um, before we sum up Matthew 10 29 to 31 are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will mm-hmm. not sure about that But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Yeah. The hairs on your head are numbered. Two. Two less. Even though they're numbered, you still care, see? Says, do not be afraid, you are worth more than sparrows. So when 
we are tempted to despair, or when we are tempted in all these sort of things, when we are unlovable, when we are sceptical of God's love, when we are feel we are unworthy. So let's have a quick thing. What, so just summing up some of the things you've learned in this room, or we'll recap say, What has God said? Go. No more pity parties. No more pity parties, like that, yeah? No more pity parties, yeah? Yeah. So give me some things, go on. What has God said? No feeling sorry for yourself, that's what you mean in some ways. It's one of them. Yeah. Some of the things you've said, come on. God loves us. Yeah, we love. loved. Lavish. Lavish love. Sorry? It's wrong to you. Hang on, Paul. Sorry? Creators. Creators. We're of infinite value. We're infinite value. We're a new person. We're not yeah. past and gone. Yeah. The future is... Orange. Right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. So, yeah. That is what God said. So that, that's it. They're the sort of things we need to be able to... We're not, yeah. not going to be not looking for the that scripture to come back out of what it says to be able to say. It says in Ephesians 6 or whatever. But actually to be able to say, God loves me. God is for me and not against me. Is, is enough to fill your faith bill. Can you feel the faith lift in the room as we've started to declare those things out? Yeah? yeah? Mm-hmm. So God lavished us. So what has God done? Adopted us. Adopted us. Mm-hmm. Made us heirs. So Made us heirs. Mm-hmm. The waffle isn't as simple as all that. You're in self-pity and you can't get out of it. Then you have to cling on. Cling on. Cling on. Cling on. Because what God has done, God has, God has brought us into the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light. Amen? Amen. 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 I'm going to be looking at Melanie. Melanie's looking at me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's not given us a spirit of fear. We've given a spirit of love. We walk in love. We walk in his faith, in his grace. We are, are we more valuable than sparrows? Yes. We're getting there. Yeah, many sparrows. I can feel a bubbling up of, of things. So where is God now? At work. I like the thing where it says about um, and, until, like, until Jesus comes. So he's not going to like stop and think, well, I'm coming back in two weeks' time, so I'll stop working now. Yeah. <laughs> and let him just potter along until I come back. Yeah. It's kind of, he's it, right up until the moment that he returns, yeah. he's at work. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, he did, if he stopped just for one little millisecond, the world would stop. Yeah, yeah but I mean, being at work, you know. Oh, I think not, that, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not that sort of feeling of like, I'm going on holiday next week, I'll just move yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, he's always busy somewhere else. else. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's not Santa. No, no, <laughs> no that's someone else. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So God is active in work in our life. God is with us. You know, that's the thing we looked at. That God is that God is our helper. God is our very present help in our times of need. God is with us. So I hope this afternoon is. I will put all these verses down and, and, and the sort of things to look through. So you might like to go back through them. You might like to write your own declarations to say actually, you know, these are sort of things I want to say. I'll put a little bit of that in the podcast so you can have a go at that. But these are the truths of Scripture. These are the the cast iron truths within scripture. I've made nothing up today, you know, no special effects, no, no little tricks or anything like this. This is what Jesus has said. This is what, this is what the Holy Spirit has revealed to the church. And this is what we've just declared over ourselves. We wouldn't be here if God wasn't active in our lives. Yes. We wouldn't be here in this room. None no. of us would. No. So God is clearly active in all of our lives. Amen. 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 So even when you doubt it tomorrow morning, even when you wake up groggy, when you, even when you go home and you, fight with the dishwasher or anything else that goes wrong in the world. The world will go wrong in one sense. But nothing has separated you from the God of love. You know, it's not like a, the yin and yang or the, the kind of dark side of the world type thing where actually you step into some sort of karma. Because you've done something, that's now happening in the world. 
as I said, there are consequences, but it doesn't remove you from God's love. God loves you. He's lavished his love on you. And um, he's for you and not against you. And today is a good day because he's in a good mood. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Uh, Love and serve Jesus. If you can help pack up, that'd be brilliant. If you need to go, please do. Um, Have a great week knowing you are loved. Amen. Amen.